Hey y'all, what is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba from Miami. And this is the final Mondays with Melba for 2021. Um, kind of doing this on the run again. I am still in Idaho. Um, we'll probably be here through the holidays. So, you know, it is what it is. You gotta do what you gotta do for your fam, right? So that's where we are at. Um, so couple things we're going to dive into today. First off, uh, happy Hanukkah for everyone who celebrates. Um, so today is one of the holiest holidays on the Jewish calendar. So um, wishing all who celebrate an amazing holiday and uh, a really just blessed time with family and friends. Also, I need to acknowledge uh, the passing of Representative Carrie Meek. Uh, she was a powerhouse in Florida politics. She was a state senator as well as a state representative. Uh, she then became the first African-American congressperson to serve the state of Florida since Reconstruction when she got elected in 1992. So that was a tremendous accomplishment and she really was a trailblazer and you know, laid the foundations for so many others to follow. So uh, rest in power, uh, you know, we're wishing her family comfort and strength in, in the time ahead. Because I know, especially losing a loved one around the holidays just makes it so much tougher. But losing her was really a blow to our community, especially for the way that she advocated for uh, Black and Brown people, especially Haitian refugees, as she really pushed a lot of that agenda forward to make sure that, you know, people coming here of all colors who are fleeing war and strife are able to have uh, the same opportunities and equal opportunities. So again, rest in peace, Representative Carrie Meek. Um, all right, so diving into the, the, the big <laughs> the big thing for today, which is, of course, uh, the verdict that we saw in the trial of the uh, three men accused of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, the, the verdict came back guilty, and I think a lot of folks had questions because uh, the jury makeup was much the same as that in the Rittenhouse trial, right? So folks are just kind of like, well, how come, you know, verdict went one way for one case with the same jury makeup, you know, it was only uh, one person of color on the jury. So, you know, folks got a lot of questions around that. So, you know, the reality is, first of all, it's a different set of facts. Uh, I hate to say it as much as we have the First Amendment and we're a country that, you know, cares about free speech. Um, you know, there's just a lot of stigma attached to protest right now. So I think that was one a huge aspect that played into that that trial versus uh, the, that of the McDaniel uh, brothers and, and uh, Roddy. So I think that was one, you know, really important aspect to note. Secondly, I think there was just a lot of uh, thought process around the fact that listen, this could be any one of us, right? Just out for a jog, you know, especially I think it hit home as a result of the pandemic, how so many people, obviously, you know, myself included, you know, you couldn't go to the gym or if you went to the gym, you'd have to wear a mask. And that was a lot, right? It's a lot in your respiratory system. So you may choose to exercise outside and that's what many people were doing. So I think the facts really hit home for people. I think also the prosecution the technique. There was uh, an African-American female prosecutor who was part of the, the team, um, as well as, uh, you know, the, the more uh, publicized uh, lady that was on, I believe her name was Linda. 
you know, I think here's the reality. I think that when it comes to discussions about uh, race and racism, it's a lot easier for white folks to talk to other white folks about it. So I think deploying uh, Linda, you know, being the, the white member of the prosecution team to do the closing arguments really pushed back on a lot of the ridiculous narrative that we saw from de defense counsel during the course of the trial, um, you know, just in, including wanting to exclude uh, black pastors from the courtroom and, you know, the horrible things that we're seeing in closing arguments about his toenails, like since when does someone's toenails weigh into, you know, what a verdict should be, right? It's just ridiculous, but it was all dog whistle. And basically what the prosecutor did was just say, listen, we all see it. We all see it. Here's the law to help you make it right. Um, and she kind of really stayed away from the issue of race with regards to this crime and just looked at it from the perspective of right and wrong. And the fact that, listen, you know, <laughs> don't write checks that your butt can't cash. That's, that's really the, the bottom line, right? That's, you can't, start a situation and then turn around and claim self-defense you can you know if you end up in something and then you're like oh crap and you make a very clear effort to disengage so you basically drop your weapon to apologize you go the other direction you know then if somebody uses fatal or lethal force against you that's not permissible but if you start something with someone and they end up getting the better of you that's no longer self-defense, right? So that, it was that common sense argument that, that was used that I think was really successful. Um, so that's how you could have a jury, you know, two juries, both predominantly white, come to so such a different uh, verdict. So I think that's, that's just really important to note. Um, also, another trial that I want to bring to everyone's attention was that of the trial in Charlottesville against Unite the Right. Now, uh, as many of you may remember, Unite the Right were the organizers that uh, put together the rally that turned fatal in Charlottesville back in 2017. It killed Heather Hayer, where she was a counter-protester protesting against, you know, white extremism. And a white extremist came through with a car and basically, you know, hit her, killing her and, and, and uh, basically was trying to kill everybody. So what ended up happening was that a group of plaintiffs or a group of people decided to sue the organizers of the Unite the Right rally saying, listen, if it wasn't for you telling people to come here and do violence, our loved one, Heather Hare, would still be with us. You know, other people wouldn't have been injured. And a jury agreed and awarded the plaintiffs in excess of $25 million, which means all these organizers like Richard Spencer, all of these you know, white extremists, they got to pay up. They got to pay up. So this is not a new strategy. Um, this was done to basically bankrupt the Klan. So a group of black churches got together and sued uh, the Klan for the, the horrible things that they were doing and they were able to bankrupt the Klan that way. And so I see this as another way to effectively attack white extremism and you know, make sure that they're held accountable for the horrors that they do. Now, the danger of this is that it can end up being symbolic. So you may say, okay, you know, Joe Brown you now owe, uh, you know, $20 million. But if Joe Brown doesn't have $20 million, there's not a whole lot you can really do, right? So this may end up being more symbolic. Um, we're seeing a situation right now where uh, a black church in Washington, D.C. sued the Proud Boys for coming and tearing down their Black Lives Matter flag and setting it on fire. Um, they faced, uh, Proud Boys faced uh, criminal charges for that. Uh, but on top of that, 
they're suing the, the church is suing civilly and you know the leader of the, the proud boys that you know shamefully lives in florida uh was like bring it on i've got no money right so it, you have to be very creative when it comes to finding assets so they may start putting assets in other people's names so putting their house their car and stuff in their wife's name their girlfriend's name that sort of thing to be able to hide from that kind of judgment so you've got to make sure to have really solid forensic accountants to find where the assets are so that that money can go to the, the people that have been horribly impacted by their actions so i want to definitely you know, note that for folks to know, uh, to, to keep that in mind, uh, that moving forward, the strategy may be around the financials rather than necessarily getting the justice we hope for in the courtroom. Still push for it forward on the criminal side, trying to get convictions, but in the absence of that, there's also the civil system to be able to uh, get closure and get some measure of justice for lives that are lost as a result of excessive use of force or uh, white extremism. So there's all of that. Uh, all right, let's see what else we're going to chat about today. This is also the season of exonerations. Um, as some of you may have heard, uh, two of the men that were charged in, uh, and, and convicted in the homicide of Malcolm X, the assassination of Malcolm X, were recently exonerated. Um, part of that was as a result of an amazing Netflix uh, show, basically, Who Killed Malcolm X? And the scrutiny that was done by that, basically, investigative reporter uh, really made it clear that the men that are serving time for the murder of Malcolm X were not the people that did it. And they we're saying that from back in the day, right? So this is like nothing new. Like, they've been saying that. Uh, the reality is that NYPD and the FBI uh, withheld information, critical information, uh, that would have shown that these were not the people. Um, so that has come to light. And Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance, he's now the outgoing district attorney. Congratulations to Alvin Bragg, who's the new Manhattan District Attorney as of January. But in one of his final acts, he went ahead and exonerated those two men. Also, you may have heard about Kevin Strickland, who is 62 years old, a gentleman out of Missouri, who was also exonerated for a murder he didn't commit after 42 years incarcerated. 42 years. Can you even imagine? Uh, so now, basically, what's really sad about this is that the state of Missouri does not allow for compensation in his particular instance. It's a weird quirk of the law, but he can't get compensated for the 42 years he spent wrongfully uh, incarcerated. So a group of folks have gotten together and did a GoFundMe and raised over a million dollars for him because think about it. Like, what has changed over the course of the last 42 years, right? Like, 42 years ago, like, they didn't have, we didn't have cell phones the same way we do now. We certainly didn't have the internet the way that we do now. So it's going to take a lot to really get him up to speed as to, and to be able to function in everyday life now after being plucked out of the world uh, at a young age and now trying to rebuild. So that's going to be a really uphill battle for him. So if you can contribute, you know, definitely do so. Um, but at least, you know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. But as we kind of think through all of these exonerations that are happening and a lot of this coming to light as a result of, you know, TV specials, podcasts, things like that, we've got to look into our own backyard in Miami. And, you know, there's a case right now of uh, Thomas Raynard James. I've spoken about it briefly before. I'll drop the links uh, in the chat. But, you know, just so every, 
you know, if everyone knows, he's someone who is serving a life sentence for a murder that he has not committed. And this was brought to light by Tristam Corton, uh, who wrote an article, very lengthy article for GQ magazine, and really was trying to bring attention to this. And he did a ton of research. He took all the documents from the state attorney's office, reviewed it, tried to talk to the police department. They were not responsive, but he came to the conclusion after hours of interviews and research and all of that, that this is not the right person. And after reviewing everything that, you know, the article and talking to him, I too am convinced that the right person is not behind bars for that homicide. So the state attorney's office has been reviewing it since March. And now we're getting into the holidays and he's still behind bars. And so this is another Thanksgiving, another Christmas, another holiday season that he's going to be separated from his family for something he did not do, which is not justice. And, you know, having been a former prosecutor and reviewed wrongful uh, conviction claims, it doesn't take seven months to do this. It doesn't take eight months to do this. You can, you know, get some folks in a room, 30 days, you can come up with a resolution and, and decide whether or not this is the right person. I mean, you're the state. <laughs> you have all the... Uh, tools at your disposal, as opposed to waiting for somebody who's incarcerated to try and prove their case to you. That doesn't make sense, right? So, you know, we really have to be vigilant and keep the pressure on and push for exonerations in our own backyard uh, to make sure that justice is real for everyone. And as we look at what happens across the country, while we can sympathize, support, educate ourselves, we always have to stay vigilant in our backyard. Because remember, elections have consequences. We saw that very clearly in the Rittenhouse case with the judge who was so cozy uh, with the defendant and the defense. That telegraphs to the jury that listen, this person may not be guilty, right? And that's not cool. That's, you know, you should be treating all defendants the same way. And so as we're like, man, that judge needs to be voted out. Okay, but are we checking our own judges in our backyard, right? I'm going to be doing a number of sessions next year uh, as we get close to the judicial election season, where I'll be bringing on a variety of judges for folks to be able to learn more about them and get more engaged in judicial races locally. Uh, also, we're going to continue to keep talking about all of these different cases, because again, who you elect as district attorney, who you elect as public defender, all of these things have consequences in our day to day life. You know, too often people are very focused on presidential, on U.S. Senate, you know, all of these other offices that have less of an impact on your day to day life than your local elections, your mayor, your commissioners, your you know, again, state attorney, judges, public defenders, all of that. So, you know, 2022 is going to be the year of being woke, like from the standpoint of understanding what's going on, understanding what's at stake, educating yourself, educating others, and pushing forward to make the wise choice at the ballot box. So there's that. Um, so as I had mentioned before, this is the last uh, Mondays with Melba for 2021. I am taking the month of December off. Like I said, we're, I'll be spending it uh, for the most part in Idaho, uh, you know, with my father-in-law and all of that. Um, but next year, I've got a lot of exciting content that I'm going to be rolling out. I have a project that I've been working on um, that I'll be ready to release come January. So super excited about that. Uh, definitely want you to weigh in on topics you want me to talk about, things you want me to cover. Um, I'm totally cool with trying to, you know, weave in 
things that folks are having trouble understanding or want to know more about. I always try to tie it to a current event or a current news story so it's easier to understand because I never like talking about issues in a vacuum because sometimes, you know, again, the point gets missed. Uh, so yeah, definitely if you've got stuff, DM me, messenger me, uh, inbox me, passenger pigeon me, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we can uh, dive into those topics moving forward. Um, so, you know, with that, I want to acknowledge some folks on the stream. So, Haver, Lance, Raquel, uh, Bill, congratulations again on your new church, my friend. Uh, Bill has, is, is now at the UUC in uh, Sun, Sun City, Arizona. So, if you're in that neck of the woods and would like a good Sunday service and worship, hit him up. He's, he's, he's the dude to see. And also, hey, Sandra, you know, great to see you as well. Um, and then, yeah, just wrapping up. Uh, I'm super grateful for for a lot of things this year. Um, first off, I'm grateful that I have an amazing position with FIU, which is allowing me to work on prosecutorial issues across the country. That's been my heart and soul. That's what I've been about for, for so long. So to be able to continue that work in, in this manner is definitely a privilege. And I'm amazed just to be able to work with such brilliant people. So shout out to my team at FIU, y'all rock. Um, also, I'm super grateful for the health of my dad and of my father-in-law. Both of them had struggles this year, but you know what? They, they're, they're coming out the other end of it, and, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, I'm super grateful for my beloved cowboy who totally supports me in, you know, sometimes the crazy ideas I may <laughs> get, uh, but always really, you know, supports my goals, my dreams, my visions, and without question and unconditionally. So that's, that's like huge. And last but not least, I'm grateful to all of you for tuning in, for sharing your thoughts and your feedback, um, you know, for being loyal viewers, whether it's for a week or for the last, you know, two years, right? Like I, I really appreciate your support and all of you. So that's it. That is the deal for this last Mondays with Melba for 2021. Y'all take good care, have an amazing holiday, spend time with family and friends. Um, I know for some folks, the holidays are tough because of, you know, losing loved ones, especially if this is your first holiday without a loved one at the table. You know, my heart goes out to you. I, I know what that's like, and I know it's tough. So just hold close to those that love you, and they will help you get through this time. Just know that everything is temporary. The pain is temporary. It's not permanent. Just, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get to the other side of it. So y'all take good care and I will see y'all in January, 2022 uh, with uh, some new contact, you know, new ideas and big things popping. All right, y'all take good care. Bye.